Brand Shift, The Future of Brands and Marketing by David Howell and Owen Shapiro. Such an amazing book. I absolutely love this. I actually finished reading this after Thanksgiving this year in 2019, and it really gave a good perspective on some new ideas moving into 2020 and things that have been kind of going on, combining past knowledge with kind of marketing throughout history and now looking for future trends that we're going into. And what's interesting is he actually touches on something that Elon Musk's company Neuralink is basically striving to do and has actually somewhat successfully done. And this is kind of the thought behind the emergence of the neurosphere. And I'll actually read a little bit from this section just to kind of give you an idea of what the neurosphere is kind of about. So he says, as technologies of the shift age evolve and new generation of digital natives assimilate into the slipstream of their daily lives, a new collective consciousness will evolve. One in which the planet will operate like a huge brain and and individual people will be nodes in a technology-enabled nervous system of extraordinary complexity, speed, power, and beauty. Wow. So this is kind of that idea of the collective brain behind Neuralink, Elon Musk's company. He touches on, on this kind of collective consciousness, which is interesting because right now, earlier in this book, he speaks on different generations like the millennials, and then he calls them the digital natives, but it's actually Gen Z, and that's actually my generation. I was born in 1998, and uh, 1997 to, I think, 2010 are these digital natives, is what they call them, which are really Generation Z. And he speaks that this generation, technically my generation, has never known a time without digital media and online methods, whereas you go to millennials or even before them, they know the world without these online technologies. They know what it was like. And for us, there's kind of this tear between the digital world and personal lives. Like he gives an example of a teenage girl in middle school, let's say. It's harder for her to manage her thoughts Because she not only is thinking about how people are perceiving her in person, but she also has this tear in her mind that's thinking simultaneously about how people are perceiving her online. And this is something that I actually found very, very interesting just because it kind of affects me and it's something interesting moving down the road when the lines become even more blurred and um, this idea of a neurosphere where you have kind of this collective consciousness actually comes to fruition. And I'll give this little anecdote um, they talk about on transactive memory, which was conceptualized 30 years ago by Daniel Wegner. Its hypothesis basically suggests the following. A transactive memory system is a mechanism through which groups collectively encode, store, and retrieve knowledge. Transactive memory was initially studied in couples and families where individuals had close relationships but was later extended to teams, larger groups, organizations to explain how they develop a group mind. And after this, he goes over basically kind of this case study where they tested transactive memory and about how it gives us insight into individual humans, basically incorporate processes and ideas um, with other humans. And basically the thought is in in this neurosphere, Every individual will eventually have access 
to the combined consciousness of everyone else in the world. So this would change so many things. And this kind of this whole idea of crowdsourced information taken to the nth degree. And, um, you know, there's a lot more that he goes over. There's kind of interesting things. He says kind of something you can take away from this is three key elements of developing an effective transactive memory system are specialization, coordination, and credibility. And this basically means that um, each of these individual things, so kind of specialized knowledge, coordination between these, this group of people, and then credibility as to who this information is coming from is all very vital. And this, this kind of near the end of the uh, book, actually, and it's kind of interesting because he goes over kind of this neurosphere thought, and then kind of in the, one of the last chapters, the mediating physiological tensions of the age shift, this is going over kind of brand opportunities in the age shift and how people will evolve as far as how they consume things if we do move something closer to this neurosphere. And I'm interested in what you think, you know. What I kind of like to do is these thought experiments where I think everybody's in such a rush in the modern world. It's almost end of 2019, moving into 2020. And so many people, you know, this, we have all this knowledge now. You, everything's at your fingertips with health information and everything um, possible to you. There's this big push on health, you know, going to the gym, working out every day, which is amazing. Perfect for your health. But what people don't understand and what's so funny is that nobody really takes a second to just be with themselves, not be thinking about something, not, not listening to something, just think, just deep thinking. I, I kind of like to call this chest-like deep thinking, and it's actually something I learned from a mentor of mine. And this chest-like deep thinking puts you into this state where you can really focus on what's most important. And think through scenarios. And the, one of the best ways to do this kind of a simple framework is take an idea. For example, we were talking about health. So take an idea. So I'm going to go to the gym today, but I'm a little unsure about it. Let me do chess-like thinking. And again, this is a very easy method of doing this and kind of a basic example. So the way to do chess-like thinking would be, okay, I have this idea. Now, let's take the best case scenario, the most probable scenario, or the worst case scenario, and think through those step by step, what's most likely, and kind of think about it. So, for example, best case scenario of going to the gym, you get there, everything's open, you have a great experience, you get a lift in, it kind of sparks a new habit if you haven't been going, or if you have been going, it continues on with this habit and betters you for the long run, helps your health, which is most important, right? The most plausible scenario is it'll be okay. It'll kind of be another day at the gym. You might not have an amazing day, but at least you got there and you made progress. Pretty good scenario. The worst case scenario, you get there, you get hurt, or you don't even go. So that's kind of an easy way to think about it, but that's kind of an example of chess-like thinking. And I would like you guys listening to actually think about potentially what this neurosphere that he speaks on, how it would affect marketing and how as consumers, we, you know, because we're all consumers, how we actually um, purchase things and how it will change consumer behavior. And then if you utilize marketing either for your, in your business or um, just are interested in it, how it will affect 
your efforts as far as bringing in new business and new customers. And I'll give you a couple seconds to think on that. You can always pause this or come back to it. But, you know, think about best, most plausible, and worst case scenario. Just kind of entertain the thought. There's, um, I can't remember exactly what quote this is, but it basically says, an educated mind can entertain a thought without fully accepting it. So to be able to kind of, the way I like to think about it is, you have kind of these different things popping around in your head. And let's say there's all these different ideas, right, in the world. And we only take a magnifying glass to those ones when we really get a time where somebody tells us to think about it, for example, in school or in our workplace. But if you yourself can think about kind of in all aspects of your life, um, focus in on one thing that will really be important. You know, we'll maybe go over Gary Keller's one thing during this week. Focus on one thing that would potentially move the needle for, let's say, your work life, your health life, your love life, and uh, your happiness. That's kind of the way I like to break things up. And for this example, this would be wealth. So this would be kind of a business aspect. And taking this idea and just entertaining the thought for a little bit. Maybe spend a minute on the actual idea, one minute on each scenario. So best, most likely, and worst. And then think another minute kind of on just summary. And then you can move on. But this is almost a form of mental meditation where you can kind of identify what you should be doing, what you could be doing, and potential red flags in doing it. And this is something that I really think is important to become a habit and um, to be able to access this level of thinking. And I'll leave you with this. So this is kind of at the very end of the book. He talks about evolving new level of consciousness. And I'll read the main keys to this kind of wrapping up the book. So humanity is moving towards an evolutionary shift in consciousness that will begin to occur in the next two decades. The global stage of human evolution is here and more connected than ever. As we become more connected in the neurosphere, space will supplant place an evolving sense of self. Hmm. The screen reality in the neurosphere seemed to be symphatically replacing the brain, opening new technologically driven consciousness. The Internet of Things is created, creating a connected, big data driven, technological based machine consciousness. When this develops in conjunction with artificial intelligence, robots, and supercomputing, there will be a globally connected new technological consciousness that will in part be self-aware. The big question is, will this accelerate a counterbalancing human shift in the consciousness as well? And this is, you know, kind of in the middle of this book, he talks about different things that have, um, you know, kind of currently are being done that have pushed technological technological-based companies ahead, which is collecting big data, um, kind of having this uh, machine consciousness as far as uh, machine learning, and then how AI is already um, 
affecting systems and uh, will even more down the road. And this is something that I find kind of interesting. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of him. If not, potentially look him up. Andrew Yang is a big proponent of something called universal basic income, which I don't necessarily fully agree with. But what he's standing on is this wave of automation that people don't see coming in large part because they can't do this chess-like thinking. So if, you know, if you're thinking that's kind of something that's a fluffy, lame, uh, you know, whatever you want to call it, thing to do, um, just kind of go back to that quote. You know, an educated mind has the ability to entertain a thought without fully accepting it. So you might be skeptical. You might think... You might be kind of narcissistic or, uh, like I said, skeptical when you hear new things. Um, That's kind of one of the 25 cognitive biases is anything that moves you off baseline, you kind of have a fear-based reaction to it. So you automatically, basically humans default to no. It's pretty easy. Like somebody's going to hand you a flyer on the street. Most people default to no. And uh, this is kind of something that's interesting. Um where back to the Andrew Yang thing, people now believe that there is, you know, obviously people recognize that things are changing, but with this wave of AI, if these industries really took a second and thought, or these individuals in these industries, for example, truckers took a second and just did a little, like even a five minute chest light thinking session on what's the best case scenario, what's the most likely scenario, what's the worst case scenario, and not coming from it, in a egotistical way, but instead a logical way, potentially doing some research and sparking something new. And like I said, this kind of a form of business meditation or life meditation without kind of the hippy dippy um, things that are attached with meditation. Not that meditation is bad. It's an incredible thing for clearing out the mind and kind of letting go of ego. But with the world changing, I mean, it's really important. Yeah. You know, that's one thing AI will never be able to do. It will never be able to do technically chess-like thinking because that's one thing that only we can do as humans. We have this ability to think through situations logically. And now with all the information at our fingertips, if we are interested in it, really go deep and utilize this. Because when you think about it, the neurosphere is here in a certain part. I mean, we have our own brains and we communicate with others in person. But let's say a man wanted to go super in-depth. Let's say a trucker was like, I'm going to take the day off of work and try and tap into this first phase of the neurosphere that's technically here. My own thoughts combined with the collective thoughts of others on, let's say, forums or different things online. And again, not come at it from a one-size-fits-all perspective, but rather an adaptable open-minded, logical perspective to find the answer and utilize this chess-like thinking. And I'll leave you with that. I apologize if I was a little ranty. This is just something that I find very interesting and I would like to speak on more this kind of idea of the neurosphere um, and how it's somewhat upon us. We may not know it, but uh, this is something that moving forward can actually really help people and I think really reform the education system, if I'm being honest. Um, this is kind of the goal of the Modern Academy. This, this podcast is free and I would love for you to subscribe if, if you're interested. And I'll be sharing a lot more ideas from kind of some of the greatest minds and greatest philosophers and inventions of history. This is a, kind of a modern book, but 
you know, I even go to some of the classics, the historical books. Like Will Durant has a really interesting book on the greatest minds and ideas of all times that I actually revisited this weekend as I was going up to visit family for Thanksgiving. And uh, such an amazing book. But that's kind of my goal here with the Modern Academy podcast is combining ancient wisdom with modern knowledge.